You're listening to the Women Inspiring Women podcast. Each week, network marketing professional and mom-turned-entrepreneur Melanie Mitro gives you her tried-and-true tips for building a business from your kitchen table. This self-made millionaire went from a stay-at-home mom to the top of a network marketing business in just three years. She built an online health and fitness business from the ground up while raising babies and juggling being a mom and wife. Now she wants to help you become the boss of your own life. For blog posts, business tips, and more, check out her website at melaniemitro.com. Now let's get to the show. Here's your host, Melanie Mitro. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, this is Melanie Mitro with the Women Inspiring Women podcast, and this is actually episode 18. Uh, We are here today with a special guest. We had Rachel Mitchell. She was on our our podcast last week talking about working full-time, and this week we have another really successful coach that is a part of my organization, uh, Jen Guthrie, and she also just left her full-time teaching job, something she never thought that she she would do. And, uh, and now she is a full-time Beachbody coach. But we're not actually going to talk about that today. Uh, one of the things that I really sort of resonates with me with Jen is something that we just kind of stumbled upon. She went to Birmingham with myself and a couple other leaders of the Dream Team United to do a training in preparation for Beachbody launching internationally. And one of the evenings, we were all hanging out together, enjoying some, some margaritas at dinner and just talking about life. I think those are some of the best experiences is when we just have casual conversation. And we all know Jen is kind of that, that smiley, happy-go-lucky, like girl next door. That's totally, totally your vibe. But you have really um, overcame some situations in your life that really have shaped you to be who you are today. And as I was hearing the story that you had shared with some of the other girls, it really made me, it just like smacked me right in the face because I've been reading this book, Grit, by Angela Duckworth, and I highly recommend it. But she talks about characteristics of people that are successful. And she talks about, is it, is it talent? Um, is this something people are born with? Is grit a learned skill? You know, what is it that makes some people successful and then other people not successful? And one of the things she talked about in there was West Point students. And I don't know if you've read the book, Jen, but she talks about West Point students and she says in there about how these students are the best of the best. You know, they have the best education, the best training, the best scores. I mean, they, and they are like the top 1% go to West Point and they go through this program. And there are still people after they go through years of training and testing and qualification that actually don't make it through the most intense part of the training, which they call BEAST. And they, and so, you know, Angela really started to do research on what makes these people actually succeed and what makes other people fail or give up or quit. And so as, you know, I was hearing your story, I really thought, wow, you're somebody that really shows the true characteristics of grit, that passion, that perseverance, that never give up, that that eye on the prize. And so um, I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Before we jump into that, will you just introduce yourself and give us a little background about you? All right. Well, thanks for having me, Melanie. I'm excited to be here. So my name is Jen Guthrie. And as Melanie said, I am a former music teacher. Um, I live in Mississippi down here on the coast. Um, I have been married for four and a half years, which is crazy because it feels like it was yesterday. 
Um, and I'm very passionate about a few different things. I'm passionate about health and fitness. I'm super passionate about my family and rescue dogs. It's kind of my thing. And uh, something that a lot of people don't know about me is I'm very passionate about music. So we're going to kind of talk to you guys a little bit about that today. All right. So can you tell us about a time when you were told that you couldn't do something and sort of how was your response to that? So kind of take us way, way, way back in your life. All right. So I'm going to give you guys all the way back to elementary school here. I was that kid that... Um, was never really good at a lot of things. I wanted to be great at a lot of things, but I was always just kind of that mediocre kid. A few examples. I wanted, I was competitive. I wanted to be great um, in PE class when we did the sit-up challenge, but I could only do about two of them. I was athletically challenged. I couldn't keep up with the other kids. I was always coming in last. I was always the last pick for everything. So that was in, you know, uh, first, second, third grade. It still hurts, obviously, because I remember it. Um, and so when I wasn't good at that, I decided to try music class. In elementary school, we had PE, music, and library. So I was like, I have to be good at one of these things. Um, so I decided that I was going to be good at music, but I wasn't. Uh, I would sing around the house all the time and tell my parents, I'm going to be a famous singer one day, and I'm going to sing, sing, sing. And so... For Christmas, when I was in the fourth grade, they bought me a karaoke machine, and I could not wait to get started. And this was back with CDs, so I had every karaoke CD known to man. Um, my favorites, I think, were like Shania Twain and Faith Hill and Martina McBride and the Dixie Chicks. Like I was going to be just like them. Um, but as I as I continued to do this, um, you know, I would get excited and tell people, "I want to sing for you." And you know how when your parents tell you kind of that you're not good at something, but you can tell they're doing it in a way that they don't want to hurt you, but more to protect you? It was kind of like that. And I remember my mom saying, like, I love you so much and I believe in you, but maybe you should also have another dream <laughs> because, guys, I was not good. This was not a good situation. I couldn't stay in tune with the music. I did not have any pitch abilities um, you know, I was one of those people who just needs to sing in the car or the shower and pretend they're really good. <laughs> that was that was where we were. So, um, you know, that's kind of where it all started. Okay, so your parents kind of told you, like, yeah, I don't know about this. Maybe you should find another dream. So, how did you respond to that? So, I actually really understood. Um, I didn't. I thought I was amazing, but I understood. Um, I was also young. I was only in about fifth or sixth grade at this point. Um, and it's interesting as I'm telling you, looking back and seeing how this has kind of been like a carrying story all the way to today. Uh, so that's interesting for me. But um, what I did was I uh, took piano lessons and I would sit in my bedroom. I didn't tell them. Uh, I would just sit in my room with my piano and I would listen to the songs on the radio and I would figure out the notes on the piano and I would practice because darn it, I was going to be a good singer. And so I would, I would practice all day long. I would sit there and I would play note by note and I would learn how to sing the scales on the piano. I would learn how to match it. I would learn how to take songs that I wanted to learn to sing and I would learn how to play them and I would practice and that went all the way from humming it to then adding sounds to it, to singing it, to adding the notes, everything. And I did this um, by myself, just kind of as a hobby for a few years. And one day when I got to high school, I went to my parents and I said, 
you know, our school is doing this thing and I really want to sing in it. And uh, I think they were probably kind of like, thought we were past this, <laughs> you know? Okay. All right, Jen. And I said, well, can I just sing it for you? And maybe you guys can tell me. And I'll never forget it because I was in the living room with my little karaoke machine and I sang it for them. I remember they were both crying because it was good. It had become good. And they were, you know, it, it was just kind of a full circle moment because, you know, my mom, she even tells, she's like, you said you were going to learn how to do it. And I did, but you know, it wasn't something I was born with and it wasn't talent. There were plenty of people, trust me, that I was completely jealous of that had the natural talent and I so badly wanted to be like them, but I wasn't. So I had a choice. I could decide it wasn't for me or I could work my tail off and figure out how to make it work for me. So I performed uh, at the thing at the high school and uh, that kind of snowballed. And before I knew it, I was singing in churches and I was singing uh, at different events in South Mississippi. I was, I was starting to do all of these things and, and it felt pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like on the road to fame clearly <laughs> over here. Um, and so in high school, I, um, this is where the story kind of shifts. I decided that I was going to try out for American Idol. And you have to understand, a teenage girl on top of the world, think I am the best at everything at this point. So proud, kind of on that, that adrenaline rush, that high of, of being good at something. Um, so I tried out for American Idol, which we all know is a reality TV show. Um, back then, it was like my whole world. Like this moment was my whole world. So along with the other hundreds of thousands of people, um, you know, I had to face rejection with that. And I remember because I waited in line all day. I was going to win. I walked in there, sang for like 10 seconds, and they're just like, next. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, that's horrible. And that one little tiny piece of rejection really took its toll on me uh, with singing for a long time after that. So that's kind of where the turning point shifted. So did you, so you went through one round, they were like, nope, that was it. You were done. So yeah. what did you do after that? So I will be honest and tell you that after that, um, I like my confidence got really shaken. Suddenly I wasn't confident anymore in singing at the same places I had always sang. I wasn't, I didn't feel good enough anymore to be the person singing a bride down the aisle. I didn't feel good enough anymore to lead the worship band, even though I had, had, done it all this time. It really took its toll on my confidence. Um, and so for about a year, I really questioned uh, what I was doing and, and if it was something I wanted to just stop. Um, and it kind of took a back seat. It, that passion kind of started to dwindle. So um, as high school went on, I actually joined our choir by accident. <laughs> my schedule got messed up and uh, <laughs> maybe he'll listen to this. I'll have to tell him to so he can hear this part of the story. But I had a choir director and I tried to change out of his class and, and he's, cause I was, I was kind of bitter about singing. Um, and he said, no, you're not going to change out of my class. You're going to stay in this class. And I could not stand him for it for about a year. We were not fans of each other. Um, and I didn't want to be in there and I didn't want to give it a chance. And I was, um, <laughs> kind of a jerk about it. Looking back at my high school self, I'm sure he thinks it's funny, but, um, by the time I graduated uh, high school, uh, I'll never forget, uh, I started off with the most improved award, probably for my attitude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> in the choir. And then by the time I graduated, um, I found myself uh, 
going to college with a scholarship for the music program. And I found myself with all of these trophies and these things, and the confidence started to be restored. And so I went to college and I studied music education. Like I said, I was a music teacher for four years. Um, but then it kind of started over. So with music, there's lots of different parts, but I had a teacher there and she uh, taught classical. Classical and opera is what you learn uh, for music in college. And it was something all new all over again. And before I knew it, guess where I found myself? Back in the practice room, practicing my tail off because again, I didn't have the natural talent like a lot of these other people did. They could walk on the stage and crush it. It wasn't like that for me. I couldn't do that. So it was so nice to get back into this place where I would stay in the practice room until midnight because I was going to be the best. And if I wanted it, I knew I had to take it. So it was so great. And I'm so thankful for those people who came into my life to refuel that fire and say, like, if you want it, go work for it because it's not going to fall into your lap. And I'm thankful for the time where I acted like I deserved it because it was very humbling. And it taught me that if you want something, you work for it. So you know, the grittiness came back and uh, I ended uh, college being able to go sing opera in Europe for a few months. And I came back and, uh, you know, the fear started to go away and it became something that I was in love with again. And it became something that represents all of the fight that I put into it from back when I was a little elementary school kid all the way until now. Wow. So when you talk about practicing, you know, realistically, how many hours a day, even when you were a little kid, did you practice? Because obviously that takes some time to teach yourself how to, how to hit all the notes and the pitch and to play the piano. It does. So I would say um, as soon as I came home from school, I would usually go up there uh, until probably dinner time. So probably about three hours a day for almost a year before I really told anybody that it was something I was, I was really working on. Um, and <laughs> I remember, uh, all the work, but you know, it didn't feel like work because I loved it and I knew what the end result would be. Um, yeah. I never doubted first. I knew if I worked that it could happen. Um, yeah. and that's what I think so many people don't believe they give yeah. up on their dream when they don't have the talent instead of working to figure it out. Yeah. So now you've taken this, this characteristic and you've obviously, you've built, you know, an amazing business, but you also have been a music teacher all this time. So how do you feel like your passion or your grit has been, has changed? And, and now that you're kind of applying that to a different avenue too. Right. So, um, I became a music teacher to help kids like me. I wanted to, like what those few teachers had done in my life, like the ones that believed in me when nobody else did, I wanted to be that for others. And I did. And I feel like my paths, my path crossed with the kids that they were meant to cross with. And once I started to feel like um, my job, like I kind of felt led to pursue a different route with coaching because now it's my passion to find men and women who don't believe they can do it and teach them that they can do it. So kind of the common thread through all of this is helping people realize that it's not about talent and it's not about the skill. It's about the work ethic and the passion and what drives you forward and gets you out of bed in the morning. Um, and just realizing that no amount of talent is ever going to outdo the hard worker. And I truly, truly believe that. Um, and you can see it all the time. If you look around in the world, you see these massively talented people, 
but the underdog who works really hard is always going to come out on top, um, especially if it's something that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I totally agree. And I think that's, that's neat because maybe you thought your passion was music, you know, and then maybe now you're like, well, my passion is building my Beachbody business, but no, there's actually something deeper. It's just that these are avenues for you to really help other people reach their fullest potential. And it just so happens that that's kind of shifting for you or you yes. too. So, yes. okay. So what made you make that decision that you were going to actually make the change and leave a full-time job and, and do this do this full time. Right. So it's really interesting how, how that all happened. Cause I thought about it for a long time. I was not, um, a lot of people start their businesses with the intention of I'm doing this to leave my job, but I can tell you, um, I'm kind of an oddball case. I actually did not start my business with the intention of leaving my job. I love both. I wanted to do both. But, uh, what started to happen was I started feeling like maybe all of this time when I thought music was my passion, it was really the, um, not necessarily the struggle, but it was the experience that was the passion. Um, you know, music just happened to be the thing that I wasn't good at, that I learned to be good at, that led me to want to help other people be good at things. So um, it all kind of started to happen when this, uh, the last group of students that I worked with, there was just kind of this feeling in my gut, like this is going to probably be my last group of kids that I teach music to, because I felt like in my heart that my job, my purpose there was fulfilled. And so once I felt fulfilled there and happy, I decided that now the task is a little bit bigger and I'm going to use this platform to help adults do the same thing. And also this platform allows me to affect our community in the same way in a much bigger scale because, um, because of the opportunities that were given through Beachbody. So, wow. So now obviously you're learning a whole new set of skills. So where do you see the challenges in your business now where you're, where you're having to reapply that, that grit that you applied as you were younger? Yes. So like I said earlier with music, the biggest fear was rejection and judgment. And that was exactly what I had to overcome um, with music. So uh, a coach friend of mine said to me, um, you know, oh, so it's kind of the same thing. Like you're faced with fear and rejection every day in your Beachbody business. Like how come it's never affected you there? And it's interesting because I had never thought about it that way. Um, But it is, it is the same. So I take all of that grit and all of that work. And I know just like with music, the work that I put into my business will pay off. And it's not about the talent and it's not about anything, but your passion and your work ethic and what drives you to get out of bed. If you can figure out why you're passionate about something, you will be unstoppable when you put the work into it. Wow. Yeah. And it's incredible. And it's so true. You, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of times people see leaders or successful people and they don't realize what went into being, being able to accomplish that goal. And I read or listened to an audio about Will Smith and they talked about how he was not the most attractive. He wasn't the best actor. He wasn't the most talented in the room, but he was like, I will outwork anybody else. I will outpractice. I will show up. I will do the hard work. And 
that's very much the same with singing, with your career as a teacher, and now your career as a business. And, and I hope that that gives you confidence in the rest of your life to say, hey, man, I know that no matter what I choose to do, I know that it's just the discipline and the work ethic, and, and I can make anything happen that I want to happen. And, and I think that's what everybody listening to this can take away from that, too. Yes. And that would be the one thing. If you take away anything from this call, I hope it's that people are going to tell you that you can't do a lot of things, whether it's singing, whether it's a business, whether it's beach body coaching, whether it's your job, whether it's your college degree. Um, you know, if you want to be an astronaut, like I hope you know you can do it. If you want to be, I always tell my parents, I'm going to be a dolphin trainer. If you want to be a dolphin trainer, go do the work that it takes and you become the best one there is. Because there's always going to be a line of people telling you that you're not going to succeed at something and there's not going to be anyone on that other side telling you that you can. So I hope that you understand that you can learn it, you can figure it out because your dreams are worth the work that it will take to put into it. Don't wake up in 50 years and say, I wish I would have done it. Do it now and prove everyone else wrong. And that's honestly, that's what fuels my fire. I love when people tell me I can't do something because to me, I'm like, okay, well, I've done this a million times. Let's just do it again. So I hope that instead of letting it shut you down like it did to me when I was a teenager, and instead of backing away from it and putting your head down and letting your confidence be shaken, I hope you let it just fuel something inside of you that just drives you forward and makes you want to get out of bed every day and just show up. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you one question that we didn't even talk about. So, you know, you sound perfect and you sound like you've got it all well put together and all the cards are aligning and you're super confident and, but, you know, do you ever struggle? Have there ever been moments of, of doubt or, you know, that I don't know if I can do this or, you know, I know we sort of have some of the similarity, similarities and things that we struggle with. So, you know, some of those obstacles that you've overcome too. Yeah. So I think it's just human nature for all of us every now and then to be like, what am I doing? I don't think I can do this. Um, and there've been a lot of times. And I think the one thing I've learned how to overcome that um, I guess it was last week. I don't know what I felt like I couldn't do, but I was having one of those, I don't know if I'm cut out for this type moments. And I find that the language we use to speak with ourselves is so vital to overcoming it. You know, if you're constantly saying out loud, I struggle with this, or I can't do this, or I'm not cut out for this, or maybe this is wrong, then you're going to be more likely to feel that way. So when I start to have those thoughts, um, I have some sticky notes and I write down, you are good at this. You do deserve it. You do know how to do it. Like, come on, Jen, shake yourself there a little. Like, yes, you can. And as silly as that sounds and as small as that sounds, it is life-changing stuff, whether it's in your business or in your personal life, relationships, your job, doesn't matter what you tell yourself you are is what you are. And so you want to make sure, you know, you wouldn't tell your kid, you can't do this. You would believe in them and tell them they could. So why do we talk to ourselves that way? So, um, in my business, that's been my biggest thing. And, um, you know, I still obviously have my moments where I struggle because I'm human, but they do not 
hold me back like they once did. I love it. I love it. So top, top last thing, top personal development recommendation for, for people in their lives right now to overcome or, you know, grow that grit. What, what has helped you the most? All right. So I have a few that jump into my head, but the number one personal development book, um, if you've never read Miracle Morning, you've got to read it. It is life changing stuff. And it kind of covers everything I've talked about, you know, finding the thing that makes you want to jump out of bed, outworking your competition, the affirmations, how you speak to yourself. It really covers all of it. And, um, Hal Elrod, if you read his backstory, he had um, a near-death experience, and that's, that's kind of his driving force for living his life to the fullest and, and reading the book. But um, it kind of challenges everything society teaches us as far as the mundane and as far as, you know, I guess, complacency, and you don't have to be like that. And, and that's, that book will just, like, oh, blow your mind. So definitely check that one out. I love it. I love it. So um, I hope that everybody listening here today just takes away just a, a few nuggets of wisdom. But I think most importantly that, you know, you're, it's not about what t- skill or talent that you are born with. It's not about those natural abilities. It's what you do with the hours that you're awake. It is how you apply your passion. It is that perseverance in the face of adversity to say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is what I'm passionate about. And this is what I want to do with my time. And when you have that sort of that moment, those breakthrough moments, you can, you can really accomplish anything. And I know that you're going to continue to use this, this grit that you have to bless people for the rest of your life. And it gives me goosebumps to think about just, just the, the abilities and the influence and the positivity that you bring to other people. And so that's really why we wanted you to be on this episode today. So thank you so much for, for being a part of this episode. And we'll be back here next Tuesday with another Women Inspiring Women podcast. So thank you, Jen, and I will see you guys later. Bye, everybody.